0: Al-Bayain Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. bismillah al rahman al rahim Inna alhamdulillah, na ahmadahu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'afiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anhusina wa min sayy'ati amalina ma yahdi illa falamudillalah wa ma yudlil falan tajidah lahu waliya murshida. وَأَشْهَدُ اللَّهَ الْأَحْدُ الْقَهَارُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهُ وَلَا إِلَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah We seek His help, His assistance and guidance in all things. He whom Allah ta'ala guides None can misguide him and he whom Allah wa ta'ala leads astray, there is none that can guide him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul muttalib al-Hashim al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah and he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except as a, Islam, except a Muslims. رَبِّ لِي صَدْرِي لِي وَحْلُ Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 49, hadith 31. And today, we are taking a hadith that shows us the reality of a concept called az-zuhd, asceticism. Inshallah, we begin with the Arabic itself, and then the translation, and then the hadith. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم عَنْ أَبِي Abbas. سهل بن سعد الساعدي رضي الله عنهما قال جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله دلني على عمل إذا أنا عملته أحبني الله وأحبني الناس قال فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ازهد في الدنيا يحبك الله وَزْهَدْ فِي مَا عِنْدَ النَّاسِ يُحِبَّكَ يحبك النَّاسِ حَدِيثٌ حديث حسن رَوَاهُ ابن مَاجَهُ وَغَيْرُهُ بِأَسَانِيدٍ حَسَنًا الحديث in English is on the authority of Abu al-Abbas, Sahal ibn Sa'd, Al-Sa'di radiyallahu anhumah, who said a man came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, direct me to an act. Which if I do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love me, and people will love me. He sallallahu alayhi wa answered, Be indifferent to the world. Be indifferent to the world and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. And be indifferent to what the people possess, and the people will love you. And Imam an Nawi rahimahullah says that this hadith is sound. And it was related by Ibn Majah and others with good chains of authority or sound chains of authority. Now, first and foremost, we take the companion of the Prophet wasallam, the son of a companion of the Prophet wasallam, Abil Abbas, sahl ibn Sa'd, ibn Sa'd al anhumah, the father of Abbas, the son of Sa'd. Al-Ansari رضي اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا him and his father were companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ibn Hajar rahimahullah states in his famous book Al-Isaba min Mashahir sahaba he is of the famous the ones that are known from the companions رضي اللَّهُ an and one of the most famous instances that occurred directly with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with this companion was that his name previously was حَزْن Sadness The opposite of Farah Sad And the Prophet Changed it to سَهَل Meaning easy Easy And this is from يعني, The prophetic Way is that if someone came to the Prophet ﷺ with a name that wasn't befitting for a maslaha dunyawiya, or if it was something that went against the religion, then the Prophet ﷺ would advise to change it. And it was up to the person if they wanted to change it if it didn't go against the religion. So if someone had a, religion, a name that was a shirki name, right, like for instance the slave of an idol. And the Prophet ﷺ would change it and they wouldn't have an option into changing it or not. However, over here, this person came and his name was Sad. And the Prophet ﷺ told him to change it and he changed it to Sahal. Easy. And he changed it. But however, we have another instance in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ where he told someone to change his name and it had the same meaning of being sad. And the person said, I dislike to be called something other than what my father called me. And my dad gave me this name. so I want to keep and the Prophet "And let him. However, from the etiquette of naming, is that you give a good name. You give a good name. And in it is a dua. When you name someone, a child, then you are actually making du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To make the child of this name And when someone names a child Muhammad Then you are making du'a Oh Allah, make this child like Muhammad Sallallahu When you name a daughter Fatima, Aisha Whatever name of goodness you can find It's a du'a You're hoping to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To make them like that And if you look at the names of the Prophet Sallallahu That he changed Like Hassan and Hussein. And we went through this in one of the earlier lessons. Ali radiyallahu an named both his sons Harb, War. And the Prophet first changed one to Hassan and Hussain. And so, يعني, the meanings that you give, you are hoping to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them a share of that name on that person. يعني, for instance, hypothetically speaking, you know someone whose name is Farhan, which means happy. And it is a dua from the parent that that child has a share of happiness in his life. Or you name a son, not my brother, hypothetically speaking, Fawzan or Fawaz, two of my older brothers, and it is a dua from the parent to make them successful. Or you give a name like Mu'ad or two to my older brothers and one of my sisters, Uh, My only sister To make them like who they were named after Right? So either a characteristic or a person But we know that the best names The best names is that which is put with Abdullah Or one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The slave of Allah Or any of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That is the best names However the Prophet himself Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Changed other people's names into that which wasn't Abdullah, saying that its ja' is to do so. It's okay to do so. Continuing on, uh قال الزهري رحمه الله مات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهي وهو ابن خمسة عشرة سنة that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم passed away, and this companion Sahl Ibn Saad رضي الله عنهما was fifteen years old. So he was from the young companions of the Prophet sallallahu From the young companions who were part of the people of Medina He's al-Ansari And this family, subhanAllah, still resides in Medina The, يعني, the clan of As-Sa'adi, the, the family of As-Sa'adi You'll find some people still there with this يعني, family lineage SubhanAllah وَهُوَ آخِرُ مَن مَاتَ مِنَ الصحابة. And يعني, it is mentioned... That he was of the last companions yani He was the last companion to die from the companions in Medina So he lived a very long life so He was really young And he was of the last who passed away in Medina From the companions of the Prophet He passed away in the year 91 After the hijrah of the Prophet As mentioned by Hafidh ibn Hajar However others have stated that he passed away earlier Imam al-Waqidi, rahimahullah, stated that he lived for a hundred years, radiyallahu He lived for a hundred years. And Abu Hatim, rahimahullah, stated that he lived a hundred or more, a hundred or more years, subhanallah. And he passed away in Medina, radiyallahu Now this hadith, something that is important, is that Imam Nawawi, rahimahullah, stated that this hadith is hasan, that it is sound. However, upon looking at the actual hadith and the isnad of the hadith and the corresponding hadiths that we have in it and what the ulama previously have stated before Imam al-Nawwi and after Imam al-Nawwi, we see that this hadith in fact is da'if. It is not authentic. It is not sound. And يعني, this has been mentioned by Hafiz ibn Adi, Hafiz ibn Abi Hatim, rahimahullah. Imam Ahmad, Hafiz ibn Hajar, Rahimahullah, and others, great scholars of Islam and great scholars of the Muhaddithin However, in saying that, the meaning of the hadith is something that is accepted by the scholars. Now, the chain of narration may not be good, and we don't attribute this statement to the Prophet ﷺ himself. However, the meaning is something that is sound, it is something that is good. And that is why we look at this hadith and we don't just say, Khalaf is us just go. No, sometimes there are a hadith that are da'if that you can still benefit from. Just don't say it's a hadith of the Prophet and just use it as a measuring stick, as a guideline. So we'll go through the hadith very, very uh, briefly and then we will cover the concept of zuhd, the concept of asceticism. This is going to be a fun one. The concept of asceticism in Islam. And very briefly, I don't want to take too much of your time, because we all know Monday night, short, sharp, and let's get it done. Bismillah. Uh, If we look at the hadith itself, the Prophet, a man came to him and he said, O Messenger of Allah, tell me of an action that if I were to do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would love me. And That if I did something, then the people would love me, if I did it. And so, over here we learn a very, very important lesson. Is that loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not enough. If you say, I love Allah, it's not enough. Everyone can say they love Allah. The disbelievers say they love Allah. They love their Creator. However, what is important is that Allah loves you in turn. That is the essence of this religion That you do your actions So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you And subhanallah What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? He says Say that if you really loved Allah Say, O oh Muhammad If you really loved Allah What do you what do? tabi'uni. Then follow me. Follow the message of the Prophet. Follow the way of the Prophet. Follow me. يحببكم اللَّهِ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. And what? Does anyone know the rest of the verse? And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will wipe away, forgive you your sins. So over here we learn in this hadith something that's very, very important. Is that what we need to aim? Is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loves us? That's the aim, and the way to achieve it is through obviously what is found in the way of the Quran, following the statements of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi and the following the footsteps of the Prophet Sallallahu The way of the Prophet This is the main way that you achieve the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and in this hadith. We see that of the prophet sallallahu was through zuhd asceticism يعني, over here this hadith the prophet sallallahu is saying when he was asked this question how do i get, what do i do so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love me and that the people will love me and so the prophet sallam replies a uh, reply and it means that this is the methodology of the prophet sallam and this was whether this is يعني, over here whether this hadith is sahih or not We know it to be true That the Prophet sallallahu Was the leader of the Zuhad He was the leader of those who were ascetic And inshallah we'll get to What does this mean Zuhd, Zuhd, Zuhd. We keep saying Zuhad What does it mean I know I mean, We haven't explained it Don't worry Shay'an for Shay'an Step by step The Prophet sallallahu replies Izhad fi dunya Put aside this dunya Have Zuhd in this dunya That's a good one Have Zuhd in this dunya I'm not giving you the translation yet Because it's a very big concept And we need to unpackage it But he says If you have Zuhd in this dunya Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you And If you have Zuhd in between What is in the hands of the people If you put aside What is in the hands of the people And your heart is not attached to that Then the people will love you That's the essence of this hadith Now What is Zuhd? Because that's integral to this hadith. What is zuhd? Now, zuhd, subhanallah, in essence, it means to abstain from something, to see something as small, to see something as lowly, to see something that has no worth in it, to see something, that you know it's reality, and because of that, you turn away. When you see something, in, in the Arabic language When it's something is very cheap You can say that it, it, the price is zaid zaid. Something that's cheap Something that's worthless Something that's it's reasonable In, the, in, the, in the linguistics even something that's not Allah And so when you look In the essence of the Sharia And if we look at what Shaykhul Islam, Taymiya, Rahmatullah And others from the Salah have stated Is to abstain from that which brings no benefit in the Akhirah To abstain from that which has no benefit in the Akhirah That is the essence of zuhd in this world To leave off not which is يعني, allowed It's to leave off that which doesn't bring you anything in the Akhirah That's the essence of it yeah. However this has يعني, levels and this has to be unpackaged but where does it stem from this concept? Where does it come from? يعني, yani, how do we have this idea in Islam? What is the origin of this thought? And if we look closely in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, we find it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in surah Anfal, تُرِيدُونَ akhirah." Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah Anfal, verse 67, you desire the commodities of this world But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires for you What? The hereafter He wants for you the hereafter You want this dunya You want what this dunya has But He wants you to achieve the akhirah, the hereafter And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-Ra'd verse 26 وَفَرِحُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا <مَتَاع> They rejoice in the worldly life. While the worldly life is not compared to the hereafter, except that it is a brief passing enjoyment. The dunya is nothing compared to the akhirah. And we know in the famous hadith of the Prophet what is the dunya going to be like in comparison to the akhirah? That if a person is from the people of Jannah, then he enters into the paradise and he had gone through a life of distress and misery. When he goes into just that split second of him going into Jannah, he will say, He will be asked, What have you gone through in this world, in the world that you lived in? And he says, Nothing. Didn't experience any hardship. Just that one moment is enough To go through every single form Of distress and hardship in this dunya And the person who's done every evil Lived a life of corruption When he goes into the hellfire For that split moment And then he is asked What did you experience in the pleasures of the dunya? He says, I have never experienced a pleasure in my life This is nothing Everything just vanishes in that instant moment But we know that Yani, this world, in compared to the hereafter, is fleeting. It's something that is worthless, something that has no substance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us also what Musa alayhi salam said to his people after instructing them to follow the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah Ghafir verse 39. <laughs> The Prophet, Prophet salam said to his people, after commanding them, he says, Oh my people, this world that you're living in, is just a fleeting pleasure. It's just a fleeting moment. But the hereafter, that is the actual life that is going to stay. That is the life that is everlasting. Don't try to establish yourselves in something that is fleeting. Establish yourself In what is going to last forever and never end. That's the real life. That's the reality of this world and the hereafter. And the Prophet, as we've stated in the hadith previously, in one of the shuruhat, that the comparison of this world and the akhirah is like the person who takes his finger, dips it into the ocean. Takes it out, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi says, "Then let him see what returns to him when he takes his finger out of the ocean. Not even a cup. No, no, that's too much. No, when you dip your finger, yeah, and you're not even holding anything. It's just whatever hangs on and drips off. That is what this hereafter. That is what this dunya is like to the hereafter. Nothing in comparison to the ocean. To the ocean. You ask Allah subhanahu wa taala for his forgiveness. So this is the reality." Of what stems this يعني, idea. That this dunya is worthless. And the hereafter is everlasting. And the hereafter is the darul qarar Where you are going to stay forever. Where you are going to be there forever. This is what it comes from. This concept. Knowing what the reality of the dunya is. And what the reality of the akhirah is. Abi Muslim. Uh, he says subhanallah. A very very important statement Al-Khawlani He says Zuhd in this world Does not mean Forbidding what is permissible Or wasting wealth He doesn't Say That I have to go take all of my money And put it in the ocean Because I don't need money In this world And it doesn't mean Saying I'm not going to marry I'm only going to wear Fourth hand clothes I'm only going to wear shoes That are really tattered, broken, ripped Doesn't mean leaving that which is permissible No, he says Zuhd in this world does not mean Forbidding what is permissible or wasting wealth Zuhd with respect to this world Is only where a person puts more trust In what is with Allah Than what is in his own hands InshaAllah we'll break this down step by step He continues and says, if he is afflicted with a calamity, by losing something of this world, he is more hopeful for its reward in the hereafter, and what is stored for him in the hereafter, than if it had remained with him. If he's afflicted with something, he just thinks about the Akhirah. He doesn't want it to come back, he doesn't want it to stay. He's just thinking about the Akhirah. And subhanallah, this is two parts of it. Imam Abid Dunya, Rahimahullah, collected a statement from Yunus bin Maysara, Rahimahullah, and he says, يعني, uh, all of the same things, but he adds a statement as well. He says, and if your condition, when you were afflicted with a trial, and if you were normal, if it hadn't afflicted you, it is the same. That's what Zuhd is. If you are afflicted with a calamity It doesn't show You're the same person You're still shakir to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala You're still sabr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala You're still worshipping Not the opposite That when someone is afflicted with a calamity Then all he does is complain And he leaves off his worship And he leaves off doing all the things that are obligatory on him Why should I do it? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done this And we see this, we hear this all the time Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, while looking at these statements of the Salaf, he breaks it down into three. And he says, What are the three pillars of Zuhd? What are they? And he takes it from the, يعني, what the uh, Imma have stated before from Imam Al Khawlani and Imam Yunus ibn Maysara. He says, The first pillar of Zuhd is to trust in what is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than what is in your hands. To trust what is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala More than what is in your hands Now يعني, Abi Hazim rahimahullah, One of the great يعني, Zuhad of the Salaf He was asked What wealth do you have? What commodities do you own? And Ibn Hazim Abi Hazim afwan, He said I have two commodities with me I have two wealths That يعني, Through them I do not fear poverty I don't fear anything And what are the two things that he had The two wealths that he had بالله, A complete trust in Allah And I have no concern I don't care what is in the hands of the people I have trust in Allah And I don't care about what anyone else has So then it was asked Don't you fear poverty? Aren't you scared? Aren't you afraid to lose wealth and be free? You don't have anything with you? Be free of wealth? Be free of the worldly commodities? Aren't you afraid? And he says, Subhanallah, how can I fear poverty? And my Lord is the master of the heavens and the earth and everything that it contains. And everything that is under it. Anything that's in between the heavens and the earth And everything that's under the earth How can I be afraid of poverty When that is my Lord That is the conviction of the Salaf SubhanAllah Imam Ahmad and others Have stated that I was most happy When I had nothing When I had nothing When they say they had nothing I'm talking about they have nothing Some of them SubhanAllah some of the Salaf they said that i have never felt complete contentment except when i had no worldly possessions ah nothing yani to the point where they looked and they found nothing to eat but they felt this firm conviction that it will come we will do something and it will come and yani this is the first pillar that you have complete trust in what is in the hands of allah more than what is in your hands And part of this is that you are not reliant on yourself You don't think that I am the one who is providing No, ar Allah That the one who provides, that is the provider That is Allah And so you have to understand that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to have Your risk has already been ordained That is what you will have Whether you like it or not Whether you try to increase it or not Whether you try to take away from it or not You're not going to be able to Now the second Is The second pillar Is that if someone is trialed in this world Then his thought and care Is with the reward of the hereafter And His care is not to get that back So, when someone goes through something مثلا business dealing and he loses money and brothers I see a lot of tired faces if anyone wants to leave Bismillah don't, don't hold yourself I'm not holding me here by shackles now if someone he loses some wealth and I'm going to say dhulman someone did injustice with him stole his money ripped him now, what does this person think? There's two types of responses. One is a person is thinking, I am going to get ajr from this person and Allah will reward me if he doesn't give it back. The second is he becomes frantic. He starts crying. And tries to make a balwa in the community, and whatever it is, this person is a sarlak. I remember one time someone stole some money in Lakemba from only a few people. He started putting photos. You know, this is in the maybe 2010 or early earlier than that, actually early 2000s. And his pa- face was posted on all of Lakemba that this person stole my, my my house and he stole my money and. Don't do one, two, and three That's the second one I'm not saying it's haram and halal You can go chase your money If someone steals from you You're entitled to go take your money back But where is the mind? You can still chase your money And still think that Allah is going to reward me Of being done injustice for me But the other person he, The other response is He doesn't care about the akhirah I want it now The it akhirah doesn't even come to his mind I want my money now That doesn't benefit me I want it now This is the idea that what you worry about is the Akhirah Your main ham Your main concern is the Akhirah Not this dunya And this is يعني, found in some of the Athar of the Salaf That Ali for instance would say Where someone would have Zuhd in this world Someone were to have Zuhd in this world Then the problems of this world become easy for him Because it's nothing for him It's just money For him it's just money it doesn't matter. So this is something that that is insha'Allah clear. The third pillar of Zuhd is that regardless of the situation, a person is attached to the truth. Ibn Rajab states that when someone makes the concern of this dunya large and great, Then he is more concerned with the people more than the truth He wants the people to praise him And he does not want to be criticized When someone cares about the dunya too much And he cares about the people too much Then he is wanting praise more than he wants any criticism Because the heart, where is it? It's not for Allah It's with the people And that is something that is very, very dangerous. Because, and we see this, social media, subhanAllah, has allowed us to see this unfold in our eyes. مثلا, Ibn Rajab, subhanAllah, he says, so that when someone is beloved to the people, then he does whatever it takes for them to continuously praise them. And so that they won't rebuke him and criticize him. And subhanallah, if you look in social media, for instance, I'll give you two examples. The first, يعني, and the sisters know this better than the brothers, bloggers, hijabi bloggers, hijabi tutorials. and and Don't worry, I know you guys are a bunch of confused folk right now. You guys don't know what's going on. But how it starts is that a sister comes on YouTube and I'll break down the scenario for you I, I've been told this uh, A sister comes on YouTube And starts doing hijabi tutorials Shows the sisters how to wear hijab No, I'm done No problem She gets a following And this has happened I'm not telling you of Qisas that I'm here No, this has happened You can go watch it Actually, not you get someone from your family to watch it And tell you what happened They start and you can see the early videos or if they deleted them, you can hear about it, you can read about it. It's been well documented. They start doing hijab. And hijab ala sunnah, Quran, masha'Allah. Then it becomes makeup. Then it becomes different types of hijab styles. Then the hijab becomes looser. Then the clothes become tighter. Then it becomes less and less hijab to the point where wallahi, multiple hijabi tutorial sisters then ended up taking off their hijab and then just continued doing their blogging. Continuously, and I don't want to say their names right? But they continued with that And started defending their reasoning why You started off doing, showing people how to put on the hijab And then you take it off and you're still doing it ya I don't understand And then the opposite is true Brothers, they start making jokes and memes and, and there was one famous case And I know all of you, if I said the name, you know it and he started off with halal jokes, funny jokes, mother in hijab, him wearing abaya from one of the European or Western countries. And then goes on, slowly, 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 gets a tattoo. Slowly, 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 stops making, then starts making music. Slowly, 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 then drinking. Slowly, slowly, then womanizing. And then to the point where they actually now open and say, yeah, we were just doing it to gain followers. So يعني, when the person gets the attention And he just wants to please And please And doesn't want to be criticized And even if it means Disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And this is why Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu would say That certainly in faith Is that you do not please the people By disobeying Allah There's no point in trying to please the people If you're going to disobey Allah Because it's ben- it's, what are you benefiting? You lose long term Hassan al Basri stated, one of, these are different examples of, of the Salaf. So Hassan al Basri stated that Zuhd is that when someone sees another person, he says that this person is better than me. This person is better than me. Showing that humbleness, you don't have ego, you're not putting yourself on a pedestal. No, that person is better than me. But however, However, this does not mean another concept of zuhd that is very, very prevalent. I want to tell you a real story that was told to me by my wife's uncle, a very, very beautiful man. I call him, he's, he's Pakistani, so I call him Chachu, which means my, my dad's brother. He tells me a story, and this is, I'm just telling you this because it's very, very important. He went to Auburn. And he went to a Turkish restaurant I'm not going to say which one But you probably all eaten there And he goes And he at that time was a chain smoker I'm talking chain packets a day And he goes I, I went through a stage where I didn't get my hair cut And I was just not taking care of myself My nails grew my, The whole shebang And then he goes to this place And he says I, I had cash with me And I ate And I left and I forgot to pay So it's like I went to Likemba, I then came back And then I just remembered On the way back Wait I got cash from me What the hell Ah, oh, I didn't pay So he went back and he paid And then he went And he said Can I speak to your manager The owner And the owner's like Oh he's right there. And then the owner comes to him And he's like You know I'm sorry I, I ate And I didn't pay He's like yeah I know I know you didn't pay i like what do you mean You know you didn't pay Why didn't you tell me That I didn't pay He's like no 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 my, my, my The waitress wanted to come Or the waiter wanted to come And tell you But I said, no, no This is a darwish. This is a saint man This is a man who has zahd And through him Inshallah there will be barakah. A chain smoker Just because he was in ratted clothing Let his hair grow a bit His hair, was, nails, everything was He didn't look of a person Who had any attachment to the dunya I genuinely reckon that you could smell the smoke from a, like, from, a, from a while away, right? But that is the look that they think is zuhd. Having no attachment to the dunya is not wearing nice clothes, being dirty even to some, some degree, letting yourself go, walking away, yani stealing from someone's food, walking off and saying, oh, that guy, inshallah, there's going to be barakah from that. That is the idea of what zuhd is today. Through a lot of people who are misguided And one of the main things is Is that Zuhd You don't wear nice clothes You have no attachment to the dunya Which translates to You don't look good You don't smell good You don't have any attachments to your families Means you leave You become a wanderer Go from place to place to place to place and you take off people and you have no attachment to anything. You don't work, you don't do anything, you don't nothing. You just completely يعني, live off the land, but not your work, someone else's. And this understanding of Zuhud is not in any line with the Quran and the Sunnah. The Prophet Sallallahu Wasallam was the leader of the zuhad, was the leader of the ascetics. He had no attachments to the dunya. However, his zuhd was that he would take care of himself. He would cut his hair and his nails. He would not يعني, let his hair يعني, on his body grow for a longer period of time than 40 days. He would fast some days and not fast other days. He would have a family life. He would go visit all of his wives every single day. He would play with the children. He would wear new clothes. He used to love perfume. The Prophet wasallam was someone who took care of himself. The Prophet ﷺ had no attachment to the dunya for the sake of the dunya But taking care of the amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you Making yourself look good for your families This is a ibadah also So this benefits your akhirah. This benefits your akhirah, pulling joy in your families But you have people, subhanallah, who think يعني, Leaving off the pleasures of this world is zuhd There are two types of people. One can be a Zahid and one can be not. A person who's a multi-millionaire can be a Zahid. And a person who has not a dime cannot be a Zahid. If the person who has no money, all he wants is money. And everything that he wants to do is for this dunya. And he just wants wealth and wealth and wealth. And he has no attachment to the religion. Then he doesn't have zut. He doesn't have a disattachment to this world. All he wants is the world. However, a multi-millionaire can have all the money in the world And this happens You see it with brothers, subhanAllah They don't care if it goes up or down They don't care if they lose their millions All they want, the money is not in their hearts The money isn't there And some of the Salaf stated that Zuhd, the essence of Zuhd is that If you have wealth, if it goes away, you don't care You still, alhamdulillah, shakir and sabir And others that, that doesn't well having wealth is not something that's a defining factor you can still be zahid and be yani and have money and wear nice clothes allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beautiful and he loves beauty allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you wants to see the ni'mah upon his servant allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that a slave fixes and takes care of himself and this is from the prophetic sunnah And the sunnah of the companions Some of the companions Just before they would enter the homes They would fix themselves up for their families It's not haram To wear new clothes But obviously We don't do israf We don't do tabzeer We don't do showing off We don't try to accumulate wealth And just for the sake of showing and bragging And trying to say That this is from my hard work We don't do that But you're allowed to enjoy And you're allowed to have some sort of Good worldly possessions And look good And smell good You can brush your teeth, it's okay This is all part of Islam (coughs) And some of the Salaf And I'll end it with this Have stated that the person who is Zahid Is the one who abstains from that which is Haram That is the real Zuhd Some have said that the real essence The pinnacle of Zuhd Is Zuhd from Shirk Abstaining from Shirk And then the second is abstaining from that which is Haram so everyone who is a muwahid upon Tawheed is azahid, And everyone who is avoiding the haram is azahid. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be from this group. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make, of, make us of those that He loves. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our attachments to the Akhirah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be happy with what He has given us. Constantly be looking for more and more and more. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to rid our community and us of the sickness of greed, envy and hasad. وصلى الله Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam wa jazakum Allahu This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio The Voice of Al Sunnah wal Jamaah